This is the Investor Mindset Podcast, and I'm Stephen Pesavento. And for as long as I can remember, I've been obsessed with understanding how we can think better, how we can be better, and how we can do better. And each episode, we explore lessons on motivation and mindset from the most successful real estate investors and entrepreneurs in the nation. Investor Mindset Nation, welcome back to another great episode. Today, we have Adam Adams on the podcast, and I'm really excited to get into the details of what happens in this awesome interview with Adam. Um, Just a couple quick notes that were fantastic. We get into talking about some limiting beliefs. We get talking about asking the right questions and kind of changing your viewpoint so that you can really get started. We talk a little bit about what it took for him to get started in apartment syndication and apartment investing and some of the strategies that really apply to getting started in anything about how to really go and figure out who to model, who to learn from, who to mentor with, and what steps to take to get out of your mind and strengthen that mindset so that you can really go forward really quickly and be able to buy and do whatever it is that you're after. So we're going to jump right into that episode. But like always, if you guys have, thank you so much for all these amazing reviews. We just keep racking them up. And that's the reason why we've been able to reach so many people and grow so quickly. So I have to ask you, if you've been listening, please go drop that five-star review. Type us up something nice, a little written note, and please post it out there. Uh, it really makes a huge difference for all of us. And if you love us, you know, go find us on YouTube and all the other places where you can listen to podcasts or great videos. And we're going to have some more amazing content coming out, uh, which you can find at theinvestormindset.com and join uh, the Insider Club there. So without further ado, let's get into this episode with Adam Adams. All right, guys, welcome back to the Investor Mindset Podcast. I am super excited, but hey, when am I not? We have an amazing guest, Adam Adams. How are you doing today, Adam? Fantastic. Adam has educated thousands of investors through coaching and mentoring uh, at real estate conferences and his world-renowned meetup groups. Adam is the host of the Creative Real Estate Podcast, and today, Adam is partnered in over seven multifamily syndications valued at nearly $100 million dollars. And with his company, Blue Spruce Holdings, they focus on finding and managing apartment communities. And Adam's role is raising capital to fund these deals and helping other people get started and get after some of the real estate goals. You ready to jump into it, Adam? I'm ready. Well, I'm excited because you're a good friend of mine. So I know about all of your success and I know about some of the cool stuff that you've, uh, you've done in the recent years. But why don't we start by taking a look back? What events or influences from your childhood shaped who you are today? Yeah, I I would say that there's there's several, and, and I'm sure that's the same with any anybody who comes onto the podcast. Is it's sometimes it's hard to just pinpoint one or two things, but overall, it's been this overarching desire for more. I've I've always been very competitive. I've always uh, you know wanted to be the best, and so some of the things that that go back and and make me think of it. <laughs> uh, one of them is just in kindergarten, getting made fun of quite a bit. To be honest with you, I was I was even more dorky back then than I am today, <laughs> and I remember just um, just always feeling like I needed to prove myself. Always feeling like. Mm-hmm. If, if I did more than other people, if I was able to accomplish more than other people, um, 
then I would get the, I guess the the love, the 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 friendship that I mm. wanted when I was in in kindergarten, and so I always strived to accomplish more. And I, it it brought me into track and field, and I, and I saw set a lot of records. It brought me into um, writing music earlier than I people thought that I could write music because maybe if I was a little socially awkward, if if I had this story of how did you set that many records or how did you write symphonies when you're this young, it allowed me to have other people coming up to me to ask those conversations. So I, I would say that's really where it started is just getting made fun of in kindergarten. And I feel like so many of us can relate to that and this strive for doing things to feel loved, to be accepted, to be a part of the cool kids group. I mean, do you think that still plays a role in your life today? I think it does. I, th- I think I have, you know, some type of, uh, you know, pressure always on and, and I, I always want to strive to be the best. Yeah, well, I I can relate a lot to that. It it's sometimes we get in this we get in this routine of doing things because we know that we're going to get some recognition for it. We're doing it for the number. We're doing it to be able to say that hey, well, we're enough. We're good at this. We have qualifications. Listen to us, like us, love us. Um, you know, I feel like so many of us fall into that. How do you think that's impacted your life and kind of what you're doing today? I. I've noticed uh, one of the one of the stories that I that I briefly mentioned was just the musical composition. Um, it's when somebody said you can't to me, like when my uh, music teacher said, "You're not going to be able to write a symphony, Adam." I know you want to. I know that sounds fun, but you'd have to learn every instrument. Well, mm-hmm. for me, I just say, "All right. Well, how can I?" How can I just learn uh-huh. every instrument? You know, it can't be that hard. All of everybody else learns their instruments, so I guess I, I should be able to. I should be able to do it. And based on that, just the, the somebody else kind of showing a little bit of doubt, and then for me, I've noticed that I always kind of ask myself, "Well, how can I? How can I do that? Uh-huh. There's got to be a way." And I'm just going to figure that way out. That's that's been a major thing for me throughout all of my life. Is is just how can I? How how yeah. would somebody be able to do that? I I understand all of the doubt. I understand all the reasons why you can't, but there's got to be a way. And I I would say that throughout kindergarten and even today, I find myself just. When when other people say you can't do this, you're un- that's not something that's possible. I reverse it and I just try to figure out what is the way to make this happen. That's just such an effective strategy, and it, it I can see it because I know you and we spent a lot of time together. I can see how it plays into the stuff that you're doing today. When you're looking back at writing that symphony, I mean. First off, I didn't even know what a symphony was until you just explained that it's actually writing uh, the music for all of the instruments. Um, but did did somebody have hope that did did somebody sh- say to you, Adam, like you can do this? Or, or or during that whole time, was it just the doubters and you were going to prove them wrong? That's a really good question. Uh, when I really think about it, my mom has always said to me, mm-hmm. "You can do anything you put your mind to." And when when I heard that hundreds of times, if not thousands of times from my mom, 
I, I feel like my mom's one of those people that would never lie to me. Of, of all the mm-hmm. people in this world, why would my mom lie to me? So if she says I can do anything that I put my mind to, then the only thing stopping me from accomplishing something is putting my mind to it. And so I would say she may not have specifically said, yeah, you can write a symphony. She may not have used those words, but I always knew that she believed that if, if I put my mind to it, I could accomplish anything. And when, when, and I mean, I truly believe it, right? I always have believed that, but not just the way that some people say believe. Like internally, inside my bones, I knew that if, if I put everything into attempting to write that symphony, that I would accomplish it and, and hit my dream. So she's always been my, my biggest cheerleader. And that's where we have to get to if we want to accomplish our dreams. We have to get to that point where we truly believe it deep down inside. And we can use other people as great examples, as great cheerleaders along the path. But until you really believe it inside, you really can't accomplish anything. Yeah. So I'm curious, we were talking a little bit about this before. It's something not a lot of people probably know about it. But what was it like growing up with 20 brothers and sisters? Okay, yeah. So I didn't actually grow up with them. I lit, I, so I was born on a polygamous colony in the middle of Utah, somewhere that most people would never, ever hear about. And my my biological father had m- multiple wives. And so when I say brothers and sisters, they're, they are half, most of them are half brothers and sisters. Yeah. And, um, and, and we only lived there until about the time I was four years old. Um, I remember there was several trailers, uh, a generator, a swing set, and an anthill that in mm-hmm. my own recollection must have been five feet tall or four feet tall. Uh, <laughs> but when I learned later on in life, it was about 12 inches high. <laughs> but I, I remember being like, this is the biggest anthill I've ever seen. And, um, and how that was for me is I remember several stories, possibly a little bit more than most people from that young of, a, of an age. Um, I remember having to go out to the generator and several people working on it and, and everyone trying to pray and make sure that, you know, that you're making this generator work so we could have electricity. Uh Um, so there's always things, there's always times in my life when, when the big decisions happen that you're kind of like your whole life flashes, uh, in front of your eyes and, and you see those times that you won uh, the track events, those times that you made the big win with the symphony. And then you also see like the really, really humble beginnings and yeah. it, it helps you to make a decision on where you're going to go. So I, I've since uh, made good friends with many of the half brothers and sisters that, we, that I kind of lost touch with. And uh, we trade a lot of stories and um, I will say this just as a, as a tangent because it's very interesting. We uh-huh. we had goats, we milked uh-huh. goats, um, <laughs> and every single one of my half brothers and half sisters is taller than me. The only sibling that's shorter than me is is my full blooded sister that lives with me. I, I'm pretty sure it's because it's the raw, uh, organic, non homogenized, non pasteurized goat milk 
uh, instead of like, you know, this other milk. So, so I'm six feet tall, but I have sisters that are six one. Oh, wow. So, I mean, you came from humble beginnings. I'm sure that created this incredible, um, you know, fire inside this insatiable desire to go out and, you know, try to live a better life. How many people lived in that community, Adam? Not many. It was, it was about 20 siblings, uh, six wives, a father, and, um, and a couple people helping out like midwives and things like that. So, wow. so really there was only seven trailers for everybody. What an interesting life. And then, you know, w- out of curiosity, when did you leave that place and, and come here and start building your life in Colorado? Great. I was four years old. That was in the middle of nowhere, Utah. And then I started growing up in Utah um, for several years. And it was when I was in my 30s that I moved to Colorado. I think it must yeah. have been 35 or, or 34, something like that. So we've gone down this really great tangent because I think it's so interesting to learn about people's beginnings. Because when you find out where people came from and you see where they are, you can understand that gap in between, right? And so for all of us that are in this place where we think like, there's no way I can be as successful as Adam. There's no way I can own, you know, a piece of seven apartment complexes or I can start the, you know, one of the top rated meetups in the whole country or, you know, run a podcast or do any of these things is that, you know, we're all just people. And we all start from different places and we can all get where we want to go if we, if we do the right things and take the right action. So Adam, tell us a little bit about what it is that you do. What's your primary focus these days as an investor? And uh, yeah, what's your craft? As an investor, the primary focus is to syndicate larger apartment buildings. So our, our focus is around a 200 unit, 150 to maybe 300 uh, units. Uh, and these are value add apartment communities normally with 85 or more percent occupancy where we can see problems in the current management where they might not be charging enough in rent. They might not have the money currently to put into each of the units to be able to mm-hmm. increase the rents to a, to a standard that some of the local, like they're right across the street, maybe they have something where They've put in three grand per unit, which can get big with a lot of units. And that's helping them make another 90 bucks or even $150 a month per unit, which honestly can make so much impact on the bottom line, the value. You can go in there. All you have to do is raise a few rents and you'd be able to sell it for a very good profit. And when, when you're dealing with you know a couple hundred units at a time, then... Mm-hmm that actually makes multi-millions of dollars on on the bottom line uh, when you sell it. So that's what we're focused on. I have a team of 12 people that operate those. Uh, so we, we raise equity from passive investors. We, uh, we underwrite the property. We look for the property. We have a team of acquisition specialists. We do the due diligence on the property. We create a pro forma of what we can do with the property. And then we'll you know raise that money, close on the property and execute a business plan. Well, that's so, that's so interesting. And it's such a cool model because what it does is it takes people with different experiences and different skill sets and it brings them together to work on a much bigger asset than say the single family game, which is what I've been so used to. So what would you say to those people who are looking at themselves and they're saying, I don't know if I could do that. I don't know if I could 
really go buy a hundred unit building, or I don't know if I could go raise ten million or five million dollars. I just don't, you know, I don't, I don't have what that takes. And really, what they're saying is, I have some limiting beliefs on my capabilities, which that's really the thing. But what would you say to those people who are questioning whether they could actually go out and do what? What you do? I would say they're using the wrong question. If they're questioning if they can or not, they're asking themselves the wrong question. So they need to ask instead, how can I do that? Because as Mm -hmm. soon as you say, how can I? It changes the cells to the molecular structure in your body, in your brain, in your spirit that takes away all of the problems that you can face, but instead puts a solution. So that's the first thing is I'd reverse the question and turn it to how can I? Well, it seems like a big challenge, right? It doesn't seem easy, but how could I do that? And I would argue to say that one of the biggest and best ways for them to accomplish it and easier, and if they're already stressed out and saying this while we're having this conversation and hearing it now, then here's the answer that can give you a lot of relief. You don't have to wear every single hat. There might be seven different partners on the general partnership. You just need to add value to the other six and and you've solved the problem. Maybe you'll be somebody who raises equity. Maybe you'll be somebody who can find just find the deals. Maybe you'll just be the asset manager or any uh, number of these other seven that that we have that I've got in mind. But if you just do one of those things, and you can, you can partner with other people that have the rest. So you don't have to have all the knowledge because you can partner with somebody with the knowledge. You don't have to have all the experience because you can partner with somebody with the experience. You don't have to have all the money because you can partner with somebody that has all the money and you sure as heck don't need to have all the time because you can partner with six other people that have the time. So what I'm really hearing is you change the quality of your questions and you're going to end up getting a different answer. So if you keep asking yourself the wrong thing, you're going to start thinking to yourself the wrong thing. But if you change it and you figure out, well, how can I do this? How could I make that happen? What could I do to add value here? Um, what skills do I have? Then all of a sudden, really, if you're applying that to any any skill set, any anything that you want to go after, you're going to be able to make some progress forward. Absolutely. So when you're working with some of your clients, and I, I know that you work with folks on the passive investing side, people who are going to be investing money, um, and people who are new or new to this space and you're training them on it, how do you recommend people get to know the subject matter so that they can really get started You know, in your type of investing that you're doing? That's a good question. Um, I think that there's multiple ways. So the first thing that they can do is the cheapest and easiest way is to listen to podcasts. So I have a podcast and and we talk about this almost on every episode. There's a, a bunch of other great podcasts. My friend Michael Blanc has one on multifamily. Rod Cleef has one on multifamily. Joe Fairless uh, has one where he constantly talks about multifamily. And so they would be able to just search for apartment investing or multifamily investor on podcast, on iTunes, and subscribe to something and start to consume a lot of that content, a lot of that knowledge, and hear the new vocabulary, the new ways of going about it. And this is completely free. Uh, a next step would be to to join some type of program. So Rod Cleef has one, Michael has one, Joe has one, I have one, and, and several other people have a, a paid program where you either can get modules 
or you can have one-on-one coaching and consulting. I think this is your second step after after you've kind of, I, I, I don't know if mundanely is the right word, but you've kind of, you've kind of absorbed this knowledge without a lot of effort. Now it's time, if you still love it and you still want to do it, now it's time to absorb that knowledge, but actively, not passively. Um, so go mm-hmm. ahead and, and join somebody's coaching program, somebody, and, but make sure that you understand that they have a reputation before you do it. And then after that, you are going to want to find your niche. So the third step would be just to niche down. And instead of trying to th- knock your head against the wall for, for years doing nothing, which is most of the clients that I have, they've, they've been trying to do this. They paid 40 or 80 or $100,000 with one or two or three different coaches. And they haven't done anything. And I, I noticed that the reason why is because they feel like they have to wear every single hat. So this step is for you to figure out a niche. Maybe you'll just do marketing and, and raising equity. Maybe you'll just asset manage. Maybe the only thing that you do is just put in the earnest money deposit. But there's a way for you to niche down so that you don't have to be spread too thin. I, and then after that, it's an absolute take action. This is the final step that most people don't take is, is actually doing it. And one of the problems that I see them have, which holds them back from taking action, is being a little bit more scared. It's usually fear. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they're afraid mm-hmm. that they won't be able to provide the returns for their investors that they thought. They're afraid that they won't be able to raise the equity from other people to go into these deals. They're afraid that if they sign an LOI or a contract on on a deal, that it's go time and maybe they'll make a mistake in the due diligence, which goes back to the last one. If you have the right partners on your team, you don't need to be afraid. So number four, take Take massive action. Absolutely do it. Make sure you have the right people on your team so that everybody's going to be safe and protected. And I think when you do that, you'll be very successful. It's so it's so important, I really think. And a lot of people kind of get allergic to the idea of, of working with a coach or a mentor. Um, but really, like, like you said, if you get started with some free content, you get started reading books, podcasts, reading stuff online. And this applies to any skill set that you're trying to learn. But you start kind of consuming that information that's already out there, and then you go to a content curator, right? You go to somebody who is going to be taking all of the content that's out there in the world, curating it up into a program, and what that's going to do for you is it's going to save you a lot of time. I mean, all the information that you're going to learn through any coach is available for free. If you were, if you had the ability to dig through every library, every internet website, and pull all that information down into your brain, and then be able to make the determination on what is the right information versus the wrong information. But when you end up working with the right people, the mentors, the 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 people who can hold your hand down the path, or at least guide you in the right direction, those are the folks that can help you accelerate your growth. And the other big thing that I, I really liked about what you talked about here, Adam, was this idea of fear. You know, fear is such a big thing that stops people from, from taking action. And action is the only thing that matters because you can get educated all day. And we meet people when we come to, you know, when we go to meetups all the time that have been 
you know, in education mode for years and years, but haven't ever gotten an action mode. And one of those biggest things is, you know, it's, it's usually internal. It's usually something that that person is thinking about that's stopping them from being able to move forward. They're asking themselves the wrong question. They're thinking about the wrong things. They're looking at it from the wrong kind of angle. And they're not really focused on, hey, how am I going to set a deadline and get clarity on my purpose and then move forward? And so, you know, obviously keep listening to the investor mindset. You're in the right place because that's exactly what we're going to teach you and train you on here and within some of the events and things that we're going to be putting on in the future. But definitely go out. And if you have a specific niche, find somebody like Adam to work with who can help guide you down the path so you don't spend all of your time spinning and looking at every shiny object that's out there because there's a lot of them. So on that note, Adam, I'm curious, in your opinion, why do you think you've succeeded in an industry that's fairly challenging when so many others have failed? Honestly, that answer is pretty much what I just shared. Um, it's, it's, I've gone through that process and others lack on the last three things, right? So a lot of people consume podcasts. Like you said, you can consume, you consume, you can consume, but if you never take action, you're not going to get there. So I did pay $40,000 for my multifamily education after paying $40,000 for my tax deed and tax lien education. And most people are afraid to see the money go from their bank account to a coach or a mentors, especially the second time. Like this was my second time putting that same amount. And I can see how 99% of the population wouldn't do it. And then unfortunately, many of the people that do put out that money, they expect that, that it's the money that's going to solve the problem. Mm. And they forget, to, they forget to put in the work. They forget to make the calls. They forget to um, take massive action. And they forget, or maybe they don't understand how much fear still will hold them back sometimes. And they're, mm -hmm. they haven't overcome that. So human beings are, uh, I guess we're encouraged to do things by, by two different possibilities. We're encouraged by the end result that we can get, like by positive motivation. And we're also encouraged by mm -hmm. negative motivation. And when I look at, both, I, it, I'm one of those neutral people that I have, to, I have to have the positive and the negative. And I have to say this positive is way better than the negative. And so I'm just going to do it, right? So I'd rather, I'd rather accomplish a symphony and, and write it uh -huh. and see us perform it at the end of my first year than, than for that teacher to be right about me, you know? For that teacher to say yeah. that it can't be done and me to just accept it. I want to see it happen. Uh -huh. And so I, I, I put forth an extraordinary amount of effort after I, after I learn. So it's, it's like I had to learn all the instruments and then I had to put in a, a crazy amount of effort to actually create something where all of the in instruments could come together in concert and orchestrate something where all the pieces came into place and it, and it was beautiful. And it's the same thing mm -hmm. with, as you, as you say, why do other people not, not get there? I think they think that all I have to do is learn the instruments and, I, and, I, and my symphony will be written for me. But you still have to sit down 
night after night and and put in the work, which many people are not willing to do. To get over that, you got to find what your motivator is. Is it fear? Is it is it is it positive motivators? Is it negative motivators? Or is it like me, the, a combination of both? And then just take massive action. Mm-hmm. Huge, very big, big stuff right there, guys. Press pause. <laughs> hit back 30, 40, 60, 75 seconds and go and listen to that again and again because that is what it's going to take to kind of go to the next level. So from a success standpoint, Adam, how would you define success? That is a good question. I don't remember seeing this prepped, but but let me come up. I have I have always had a definition of success and it has no um it has no bearing on what you own or or what you've accomplished. It has every bearing with how you feel about that. So if if you are personally happy with the progress you are making, whether you've accomplished something, whether you have millions in the bank or negatives in the bank, that to me is success, is being truly hap- happy in the journey that you're in. Huge, huge stuff right there as well, man. Just back to back. And from that perspective... Do you feel successful? I do. I do, but I always want to achieve more and and grow more and strengthen the relationship. So I'm very, very, very happy where I am and, and I've got a lot of growth uh, in, ahead of me. Mm, I love that word growth. For everyone who's been listening to every episode, you are starting to hear a little bit of a, a trend of what people are thinking about success and growth. And that growth is such a big part of it. Even the people who are at the top are always reaching for a little bit more. So from a habits perspective, what are some of your keystone habits, Adam? What are some of the things you do on a daily or weekly basis that help you, you know, reach success? The first habit that I would that I have is making sure to express gratitude uh, multiple times a day. Um, there's many people that call this praying. And, and I think that that's great. Some people call this um, meditating. Um, for me, it's, it's just appreciating what I, the universe is helping me accomplish, appreciating the conversations that I can have with other people, appreciating the invite to be on this podcast. It's a constant and continuous gratitude, just and I believe if, if other people, if more people continue to express gratitude instead of, instead of the things that are happening to them, I think we would all be a lot more successful. So I, I wake up and, and I immediately, you're tired, you might be groggy and you just, you just say, I'm so glad, I'm so glad to be here. I'm so glad I have loving kids that they're growing up great. I'm so glad that I get to go to work today. And, and I just... I reverse the roles on what my day is going to look like in in a mindset of appreciation. That's really the main thing. Uh, one other thing that I don't think a lot of people on your podcast probably share is uh, a daily ritual that that I practice is is having a social media presence, commenting on mm-hmm. other people's posts, making my own post going live and adding tips and, and tricks to other people, uh, having an influence and continuing to grow the influence within my small community of multifamily investors is something where 
It only takes an extra 1% effort, but it gets me 99% more results. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that. Not, a, not enough people talk about some of those things, but they really do make a difference in your, every, your everyday life. So we've made it to my favorite part of the show, the growth rapid fire round where the questions are quick, but the answers don't need to be. So Adam, what's a book that's impacted your life the most or one you're excited about right now? Man, there's too many. And the one that I do want to share mm-hmm. is Joe Fairless's book. Uh, he's a good friend of mine. He wrote a book on apartment syndication. And, uh, you know, I'm almost upset at myself that I'm sharing this with your entire audience. I know you have a lot of listeners. Uh, this book has the tips, the tricks, the secrets to being successful in multifamily. It is so uh, comprehensive and incredible that um, I sometimes feel like he's giving away too many of the things that I I want to charge, you know, 40 grand just to tell you this one secret, but it's in that book and he charges a lot less than 40 grand for it. So if somebody is listening to this podcast and they want to get into the multifamily space, I would say read that book, internalize that book. It has a lot of value for you. That book is really like a textbook almost, and it's it's got so much information. Joe is an incredible podcaster, teacher. It's insane what he's been able to do. So the fact that he's sharing it really says a lot. So from an inspiration standpoint, who are some of your mentors, the people that you learn from or looked up to throughout your life, and how did they influence your career? My mom's been one of my main ones. And at the beginning of this episode, we, we shared why uh, she's been an inspiration is, is because she's always had let me feel, made me believe that, that I can accomplish anything. And I want you know any listener who's, who's on the show to know you really truly can accomplish literally anything. If some other human did it, they're no smarter or more famous than you can be yourself if you do the same exact things that they have done. So that's that's really number one is just who my mom is and the type of person that she, um, you know, taught me to be. And other than that, there's so many others that I couldn't even count. But it's it's from micro quotes that you get from each and every uh, founder of the U.S. and and uh, inventor that is that has ever lived, where you think of all these thousands of light bulbs that that never worked out, but he was able to still try another option. I love that. That's that's awesome. Thanks for sharing that, Adam. Um, from a purpose perspective, what what drives you to live your best life every day? My purpose is as as you become grateful. As you truly become grateful, there's something, and at least this is there for me, my purpose is to to give back. My real true purpose is to see other people have the success, have the growth, have the financial income coming in passively that, that I've been able to see myself accomplish and I'm still accomplishing more today. The main thing that I that drives me is is to is to just continue to give back, and I get so much joy to to hear other people got value from something I shared with them, um, or I see them close on their first deal, and and that's my main purpose is literally, truly just to just to inspire others. 
I feel that from you, Adam. So I really appreciate this. This was so much fun. I really enjoyed it. Where can people find out more about you or possibly get in touch? The single best way is just to hop onto our website. So they can go to realbluespruce.com. That's where they'll find my my bio. They'll find the deals that we've closed, our podcast, the events that we host by just going to realbluespruce.com. Absolutely. And Adam puts on some incredible events on finding deals, on finding money, and a number of other great great topic. So I'd really recommend we'll put some links down in the show notes for everybody who wants to, you know, take their game to the next level and learn about some of those awesome events. I've spoken at some and I'll be speaking at some more in the future. So thanks so much, Adam. It was a lot of fun. Appreciate you having me. Thank you for listening to the Investor Mindset Podcast. If you like what you heard, make sure to rate, review, subscribe, and share it with a friend. Head over to the investormindset.com to join the Insider Club where we share tools and strategies from the top investors and entrepreneurs on how to take it to the next level.